0: from WNUR News, I'm Poss Bomb. You're listening to the six o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. Tonight on WNUR News, the new but smaller Ryan Fields, a look into why audiences love true crime, and what is going on with side chat. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at six. Thanks for tuning in. Northwestern recently announced plans to build a new football stadium, but with a smaller seat capacity. So what's the purpose? Follow Jennifer Kim to learn more.
1: 47,130 seats at Ryan Field, Northwestern's football stadium? Not anymore. The university is building a new stadium which is smaller by 25%, getting rid of more than 12,000 seats. The new stadium is reported to hold a capacity of 35,000. This decision is quite unique concerning the fact that past stadium renovations served the purpose of adding capacity and increasing ticket sales. While this may be bad news for football fans, the new features aim to build a better community. Leslie Kim, a sophomore who regularly attends football games, says she thinks the new stadium may, and hopefully will, attract a bigger crowd.
2: Um, I think that it is a good idea that we do change it up a bit, especially since the current student reactions towards the football games and the way that the football teams are performing isn't that great.
1: Quote, Our hope is that through this new stadium campus, Ryan Field is reimagined as an architecturally significant year-round gathering place for the Northwestern and Evanston communities that is accessible to all, said Patrick Ryan, the largest donor in the university's history. The stadium further attempts to emphasize fan experience, accessibility, and sustainability according to Dr. Derek Gregg, the Vice President for Athletics and Recreation. Some features the university plans to add include plazas, a new community park, and publicly accessible green spaces. A welcoming and exciting news for students like Kim.
2: Especially since not like everyone is completely aware of like football and not everyone goes there for the sport itself. Um I know I don't and I know like a lot of my friends don't. They mostly want to go there for the just like the college game experience. I think that it's great that they have, um, they're, they're trying to make new facilities.
1: It is likely that Northwestern's renovation goals differ from other schools due to its relatively low rate of ticket sales, especially because the school rarely sells out. Kim adds that this reduction in the number of seats seems logical.
2: Um, in terms of Northwestern, I feel like, I went to the recent football game, the seats were not full, full like at all. And I feel like in terms of that aspect, having the seats being shrunk would actually make it feel more full, it might not be a bad idea. The Northwestern University
3: Wildcat
4: Marching Band.
1: At this point, everyone must have asked, how much will it cost? The project may reportedly cost up to $800 million, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. As a student on campus, Kim expressed her concerns
2: about the financial aspect of the new stadium. If it's being in some way pitched in by the school, just as someone who is is not involved in like the football team in any way, that's a lot of their tuition. Like also as like an international student, having to pay that full tuition, it's like a lot of that tuition going to some place that I'm not, I don't feel as connected to. So. I don't think, I like, me or any of the other students who feel the same way would be that happy about it.
1: However, there is no need to be worried. Northwestern announced that the project will be fully funded by private donations, and it won't affect tuition costs or take away from faculty raises or scholarships. Otherwise, the stadium could serve for other purposes than just football. Perhaps the new Ryan Field may be good news for
2: music lovers like Kim. I think those can definitely be um, utilized for other by other student organizations, and I know that our I definitely do enjoy the other festivals and like student performances that our school does, and I wish that they would be um, in like a bigger, more open venue. The modern
1: design further hopes to reduce noise and light pollution, a must for frequent concerts and games. For financial viability, the university claimed to consider hosting a limited number of such events, according to Northwestern Now. The report adds that on a more positive note, Northwestern is speaking with Metra, CTA and other transportation services to find a more efficient schedule on game days. This is Jung and Jennifer Kim signing off from WNUR News.
0: Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, premiered last week on Netflix and has quickly become one of the platform's most popular shows of all time, despite being filled with gruesome scenes of dissection and murder. It's not the first, nor will it be the last, true crime adaptation that draws massive audiences. Oddities reporter Helen Bradshaw explores this phenomenon and learns why people are so fascinated by true crime.
3: It's gory, it's terrifying, and in its debut week, it garnered over 196 million hours watched across the world. Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, is the latest adaptation of a true crime story that has captivated audiences internationally, although not without escaping controversy. But true crime popularity is nothing new. Whether it's Evan Peters playing Jeffrey Dahmer... Zack Efron playing Ted Bundy.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, I am that innocent suspect.
3: The wildly popular serial podcast from This American Life and WBEZ Chicago. It's Serial, one story. Or even the gruesome crime leaflets of the 1600s. The fascination with true crime has been around for a long, long time. But just because the genre is immensely popular isn't enough to explain why it exists in the first place. Why are millions of people glued to their screens watching a reenactment of Dahmer dissecting humans? How can shows like Criminal Minds
5: up in
3: 30. sustain 15 seasons of grim murder after murder? And why is true crime the most sought-after documentary subgenre by far? I mean... What's so much more appealing about cannibalism than watching playful polar bears in a nature documentary? After months of confinement underground, she toboggans down the slope, perhaps to clean her fur, perhaps
5: for sheer joy.
3: Apparently, true crime almost always beats out furry winter mammals for a few reasons.
5: Stories allow us to explore the dichotomies inherent in human existence like love versus betrayal, life versus death, the familiar versus the unknown, or of course, in the case of crime stories, the struggle between good and evil. Of course, the thing that fascinates us about our fascination with crime in itself, and especially true crime, is that these very dark aspects of human behavior are often taboo and are not supposed to be something that we're enthralled with. But in fact, there are several perfectly valid psychological explanations for why we're drawn to these stories.
3: That's Dr. Mike Brook, an associate professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Northwestern and the director of a research program that studies violent behavior.
5: Crime stories allow us to process our thoughts and emotions around very dangerous situations without actually being in danger. Studies show that fear of crime uh, has grown substantially in the U.S. over the past 50 years despite the actual crime rates steadily declining over the same time period. So in essence, we're safer than we have ever been. Uh, but are more afraid than ever. Another reason is, is just purely that our attention and emotions are automatically drawn to calamity. This is the same reason why we can't look away from a car accident. There are numerous behavioral studies that have found that disaster scenes, when they're shown on the screen to people in the lab, hold our attention more strongly than neutral or pleasant scenes. And evolutionary psychologists tell us that this is an important learning mechanism that may help us better prepare ourselves for potentially dangerous situations.
3: So we're drawn to seeing people act in ways that are unfathomably inherently evil, right? Wrong. In fact, the reason we like true crime might lie in the gray areas. The idea that even people who have done horrible things like Jeffrey Dahmer have a much more complex life than just the gruesome acts they've committed
5: our fascination with true crime is based on more or less a misconception about why people commit violent crime we see that violent crime is not born out of evil or bad genetics or corrupted morality but is most often a result of poor decisions compounded by unfortunate circumstances by sort of humanizing the people behind the headlines they break down the moral pedestal on which we all put ourselves and thus help frame our own lives in a in a more realistic light so that we realize that we may be not more than several steps away uh from a from a similar disaster
3: in other words, the obsession with true crime has just as much to do with Jeffrey Dahmer's actions as it does with our own, or rather what we might be capable of doing.
5: What may attract us to true crime stories in the first place may be different from what keeps us involved with them, keeps us engaged in them. Maybe the initial attraction is, is to see something inhumanly evil, freakish right to get an insight into a behavior you don't think you would ever be engaged in but if a story is well told as I think many of those podcasts and movies and TV shows are you realize that the unfortunate series of circumstances that led someone to commit a series of these horrific crimes is nothing but a series of unfortunate events and so in that way, we do see ourselves in them. So maybe what keeps us engaged with these stories is the realization that it could be us and maybe in some way thankfulness that it's, that it's not us.
3: For WNUR News, I'm Helen Bradshaw.
0: If you've been on Instagram lately, Northwestern students are all eerily posting the exact same message. Download SideChat a Northwestern-only YikYak. The motivation behind this post is a $15 Venmo. Whether SideChat is just a pyramid scheme or is it is actually going to replace the anonymous messaging app is unclear. Reporter Helen Bradshaw brings us another story to tell us about the resurgence of YikYak since its relaunch last year.
3: The Yak is back. After a four-year hiatus from the phones of America's youth, the once-popular social media app, Yik Yak, has returned to the Apple App Store. But Yik Yak isn't just a regular posting app. There's a catch. Actually, several catches. Users post anonymously, and the only posts you can see are posted within five miles of you. Although app usership dropped dramatically towards the app's end, its relaunch has brought renewed interest, especially with students wanting to connect on campus. Northwestern is no exception. Download the app here and see new posts rolling in every minute. As for what students are actually posting.
0: Hi, I'm Gracie.
6: Hi, my name is Sawyer Sad, also known as Sad, And I will be doing a live reading of some recent Yaks. Thank you.
3: I enlisted some help to give you an idea. There are the general campus musings.
6: A lot of y'all smell, and none of y'all smell good. What the is an engineer? South campus be looking like the smart Village. I think I hear Morty scuffling around in the walls.
2: (laughs) If anyone is in finite mathematics, did we have homework due online yesterday besides the written?
6: JoJo Siwa, taller than most Northwestern boys. Does NU Health Services do BBLs?
2: Those that bring
3: awareness to potential IBS.
6: If you fart in the COVID test line, you're going to hell. Ripping <laughs> endearing, shitting <laughs> in Willard.
3: Several about mental health.
6: Whoever cued Sufjan Stevens in Norris needs to pay for my next Lexapro dose.
0: Y'all on North Campus really need to experience the ecstasy of listening to Mitski and crying.
6: Waiting for Caps to make an appointment with me because I don't make the first move. I am so sad.
3: And many, many that voice sexual frustration.
6: Need me a plex, sneaky link.
1: Willie got me acting up.
6: The Willie costume stays on during sex, babe. Does it count as sex if I leave my purple pride shirt on? Just got <laughs> blocked by the Lincoln fire drill. Bricked up in Sarge line for some grilled chicken. Really need to sit on someone's face right now. Big boobs!
3: But the return of Yik Yak is already reminding some of the toxicity it harbored years earlier. At Yik Yak's previous peak in 2014 to 2015, the Atlanta-based app was known for hosting posts of hate speech and cyberbullying, so much so that a student at the Oxford College of Emory University was actually arrested for posting a shooting threat. You know the social media app Yik Yak? Yik Yak? I've heard of it, yes. That's Emily Wong. She's a sophomore at Emory now.
1: Does anyone know Yik Yak? (laughs)
3: So it doesn't seem like Yik Yak is having the same resurgence everywhere it once had a large presence. But Wong mentioned that there are some anonymous confession social media accounts on campus. They just aren't known to share hate speech. Unfortunately, the same can't be said for Northwestern, where, according to junior Milena Otero, the return of Yik Yak hasn't been all good.
1: So I was in my kitchen with my friends. We just downloaded Yik Yak because we saw that it was becoming a thing at Northwestern again. And I opened it in the first... I'd say five or six uh, Yik Yaks were like super anti-Semitic comments, Islamophobic
6: comments. It was, yeah, kind of shocking.
3: But the Yik Yak owners are vowing to push back against hate speech, stating on their website that bigotry and threats are not allowed. As precautionary measures, the website says the Yaks can be reported for review and that Yaks with five down votes are automatically removed. But that doesn't stop them from being posted in the first place. Although Yik Yak notes that anonymity on the app is not protected where laws are broken, and that most users caught seriously violating community guidelines will immediately be blocked. Whether Yik Yak will last longer this time isn't known, but students are certainly taking advantage of it while it is around, even if just to bond over their overactive bowel habits. While writing Yik Yaks really is the human condition, isn't it? For WNUR News, I'm Helen Bradshaw.
0: And our last story of the day a sports roundup from reporter zach mccrary
4: hi i'm zach mccrary and it's wednesday which means it's time for your and sports report a look at what the cats are doing this week first up the team that's on everyone's mind the university recently revealed the plans for the new ryan field A multi-million dollar privately funded project that emphasizes on reducing traffic around the area, reducing the stadium's carbon footprint, and creating a state-of-the-art accessible game day experience. But meanwhile, we still have a game to play in beautiful dark and rainy University Park, Pennsylvania. The Wildcats took on the Penn State Nittany Lions this past Saturday, coming off three consecutive losses to their non-conference adversaries, and it didn't get much better this past weekend and he was able to force five turnovers over the course of the game, but they weren't able to capitalize on any of their given chances. Penn State, on the other hand, scored 14 points off their two turnovers after a pick thrown by Ryan Holinsky deep in the first quarter and a fumble in the second. Cats were finally able to make a connection in the third with a 47-yard touchdown reception by receiver Jacob Gill, but that was the only notch they could make in the scoring column that day. They lost 7-17, worsening to 1-4 on the season. Their next game will be homecoming at Ryan Field this Saturday, 230 Central on Big Ten Network. The women's soccer team is on a roll lately, not having dropped a game since their loss to Kansas in August. The number 6 Cats traveled to Urbana this past Saturday to play the Illini, dominating them in a 4-0 showing, with two of those goals coming from penalty kicks. This is the 11th game in which the women's soccer team is unbeaten, a new program record. They improved to 10-1-2 this season, and they'll play the Wisconsin Badgers in Evanston on Friday at 7pm on Big Ten Plus. The men, meanwhile, haven't been playing the best of seasons, coming off three consecutive conference losses as they played the number 20 Nittany Lions in Evanston. Penn State drew first blood in the 23rd minute, but Justin Weiss scored the equalizing goal three minutes later. Penn State scored again in the early minutes of the second half, but Ethan Dudley evened it up again just a few minutes later off a corner kick. The game ended in a 2-2 tie. Cats are now 1-6-3. They play the Maryland Terrapins next at home on Sunday. Kickoff is noon on Big Ten Plus. The volleyball team entered Welsh Ryan Arena on Saturday, coming off of a historic win for them after defeating number no. 7 Minnesota on the road. The program's first win on the road against a top-ten team. The Michigan Wolverines came to town Saturday with victory on their minds. Hannah Lisiak and Timmy thomas Lara combined for 35 kills alone, but it wasn't enough to rout Michigan. The Wildcats had a chance to go to a fifth set, having an eight-point lead at one point in the fourth, plus a set-point opportunity, but the Wolverines battled back to take it in four sets. Volleyball is now 12-4, and and they'll meet the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at home on Friday 7pm on Big Ten Plus. Finally, what can you say about the defending national champions in field hockey? The number two Cats were visited by the number six Nittany Lions on Friday, where they won a comeback thriller, putting up two goals in the fourth quarter and a game winning overtime goal to win the game 4 5. Then on Sunday, the number four Maryland Terrapins came to town, with both teams punching in early goals to make it another overtime game. But it was a heartbreaker for the Cats as the Terrapin Danny Van Rootselaar put in the game winner two minutes into OT, beating Northwestern 2 1. Cats are now 10-2 this season. They'll be in Bloomington, Indiana next to play the Hoosiers on Friday at 2 p.m. And that wraps up this first NU Sports Report for this year. For more information about upcoming games, as well as how you can watch the Wildcats live, visit www.nusports.com. I'm Zach McCrary, WNUR News. Now, a quick weather and news
0: update. This evening, expect temperatures in the 60s and cloudy skies. Evanston's version of an early fall heat wave is continuing through tomorrow, with sunny skies in the morning and a 30% chance rain predicted at 4 p.m. And now for the headlines. Brew Coffee Lab is replacing the beloved brew bike in Main Library. The De De Plains-based coffee shop will serve coffee, boba, and pastries. Chicago was voted the best big city in the U.S. for the sixth year in a row. As an East Coast native, though, I'm required to say that it is actually second to New York City. President Biden was in Florida today speaking with the victims of Hurricane Ian. He allocated federal funds to relief efforts and is collaborating with Governor DeSantis despite their stark political differences.